I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Curzon Film Podcast. This week we're looking at The King of the Jungle and The Queen of the Cinema as we talk about The Lion King and Varda by Agnes. I'm Jake Cunningham, and it's with great pride that within the circle of pods, I'm able to welcome the roaringly good Kelly Powell. Hello. The main event, Beth Webb. <laughs> Hi, yeah. I wasn't expecting my name to come after that then. Thank you. <laughs> and just lying around with Sam Howlett. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi. It's lovely to have you all here. Uh, so we've got a couple of uh, films to talk about that are out at the cinema this week. We're going to start with Varda by Agnes. And it's lovely to have you back with us, Beth, because uh, last year we had a, a string of uh, lovely Agnes Varda episodes here. We had a Gleaning Truths episode, which was the name of the uh, re-release box set uh, and touring program of her films. And we did a uh, a nice episode with a few different critics coming in to talk about her, of which you were a part of as well. Yes. Um, and so I'm wondering if you could just give us a quick synopsis about Varda by Agnes. It's just the new and final film by the great filmmaker. Yes, sure. So sadly we lost uh, Agnes Varda in March of this year. Um, this is a documentary, it's a lecture with uh, the filmmaker herself and it's spliced with footage of her body of work, behind the scenes footage, interviews uh, that she conducts with... Um, collaborators from her body of work um and um just also very very sweet little vignettes of her on a beach talking to little children just these little pockets of um interviews that she gives in her very artistic creative way outside of the uh, the lecture mm. and um where i think it's important to kind of get people up to up to speed on her at this point if we need to do a completely condensed biog for people that are going into this because uh see this is going to be a film that a lot of people are going to want to see because they've uh, may have seen faces places and then want to see the new agnes Varda film but this film is very reliant on perhaps a knowledge or slight understanding of her previous films because it's very much her addressing her own work uh so is is there any easy truncated way of kind of getting people into this uh, <laughs> um no <laughs> yeah, but the, maybe the best option is just to go and watch the film i yeah. think so i really do think this is if if you are coming into Varda's work fresh and you haven't seen anything or you've perhaps only seen one or two key pieces of work this is her guiding you through it personally with her own anecdotes 
notes and overviews and what she was looking to achieve when she went in to um, approach these pieces of work. Um, you're right, I think it does rely a little bit on her previous knowledge, So, but there's a wealth of knowledge out there already readily available as you say the box set's available through is it available on cousin on demand yep, yep it's available yeah. on cousin yep perfect well that's a start and a plug and um faces places as you say that's available on netflix at the moment so there's there's plenty of ways that you can go and familiarize yourself with her work if you so choose but if not this is a really really good place to get stuck in yeah um and there's a particular there's a nice dynamic over here because <laughs> uh sam you're you're a great sinner and this is only one of one of a few Vardas I've seen compared to Beth, who, who's uh, like literally written the essay on <laughs> for the box set. I know, to my um, shame, to so, my shame. Um, I want to get how for both of you, and this I'm sure will yeah. be for a lot of our listeners, for a new viewer, how this stands up, and mm-hmm. for a well-versed viewer. Uh, let's start with Sam. So um, you've not seen much. I've seen Cleo from five to seven, mm. and that is it. I've actually, I've actually seen that twice, so that counts as two. Yeah, no, does that mean it it's uh, clear uh, <laughs> from 10 to 14? Yes, sure. Uh, no, so I went in kind of cold with this. Like, I have obviously I have an idea of who Agnes Varda is, and I could name you a few of her films, but I'm not that familiar with her as a filmmaker as a, in terms of her style and form. Um, and I was trying to think of... I've got a half an hour in and I was trying to think of which other filmmaker could get away with making a documentary about themselves. Like imagine um, like Scott by Ridley. Imagine <laughs> watching that and having Ridley Scott talk to an audience about himself and his films and then having like clips from them. I mean, having heard some interviews with later stage <laughs> Ridley Scott, I'd be quite happy to watch that. <laughs> Do you know what, it's just it's just a weird thing and I think she's one of the very few people that can get away with it without it seeming in any way egotistical or in any way arrogant because she's so delightful and watchable and humble and well, yeah and, even and it's though, a huge credit to the film that you don't know the stuff yeah watch two hours of it and still enjoy it yeah i know still, exactly yeah. yeah um so i enjoyed the stuff where she like looks back at Cleo from five to seven and talks about how she made certain parts of that film and really dives into it and then when she starts talking about something that I haven't seen, like Vagabond, I was uh, initially I was a bit like, I don't know if I'm going to get anything from this section, but I really did. When she talks to the actress in Vagabond, uh, interviews her on the spot where they filmed it and all that kind of stuff, and she's really physically diving into her back catalogue. I think it's important we talk about how she talks about Vagabond as well because mm-hmm. she's giving um, insight into the use of shot and the use yeah. of location while sat on top of a moving tracking cart yeah. with a cardboard camera behind her and she's talking to the camera as she's sort of tracking slowly in one direction <laughs> herself and talking to the camera. So there's something quite playful in yeah. how she's doing that. Yeah. She gets quite creative and you can tell she has some voice over how yeah. she's telling her story. I think this is where the film is at its strongest where she's she makes a, a the point a couple of times that she's so interested about the blend of fiction and documentary and manipulating film replaying stuff so there's a bit where she says on yeah. repeat on repeat on repeat uh, <laughs> and where she's kind of messing and blending the lines between what we're watching now this kind of super hyped up youtube masterclass and then actually shooting this stuff in a field with this tracking shot that then turns 
ends on a tractor and then that cuts into a tracking shot that begins with a tractor yeah. from one of her films. So it's not just that we're getting cutaway, like quickly narration and then whatever film she's talking about. She's really thinking about how can I blend my thoughts in the modern context with what was mm. being made 40 years ago. And she's a really she's a really skilled filmmaker. I think it's it should come as no surprise that this is her input. I mean, she's she's set the bar. She's been making films mm-hmm. like since she was 26, 27, I think it is. She's got fans like Scorsese who, you know, took references from Cleo from 5 to 7 in terms of editing mm-hmm. and applied that directly to After Hours. She's she's absolutely one of a kind, which is why I think we're struggling to find a close comparison to who else mm-hmm. would be able to pull mm-hmm. something like this off. Yeah. And uh, so for, for you, Beth, um, a, a strong member of the fan club yeah. um, who has seen the films, unlike Sam, how does this film uh, inform on your knowledge and enjoyment of the works? Well, the thing is with Vada is she's such a multifaceted artist. Like she's not only a filmmaker, she's also a visual artist and a photographer. She was in her earlier years before she became a filmmaker. And I think there's something there for absolutely everybody. I have seen most of her films, but I, I had very little idea of how she worked as an installation artist and certainly as a photographer as well. But then there's also something that I really enjoyed because she's a documentarian as well listening to her talking with her subjects because she would interview anybody. She'd interview like Catherine Deneuve or she'd interview someone who gleans potatoes for a living mm. with that same level of respect. And she, you can really hear her become really absorbed with the subject. She doesn't interrogate. She listens. She laughs at what they're saying. And you can see them reacting to her with such warmth. And, um, you know, she kind of emanates this magnetism and you see them react to that and that for me was really special to watch because you don't really get to see that in her films necessarily um so i got a lot from it in that respect yeah i i think that the film takes a shift in maybe the second half as we get to the 21st century and she's spending more time in the visual art realm installations galleries and i think for me that that felt like such a generous act for her as a filmmaker and as an artist but also to the for the the curators and people that worked with her who are in the film and happy to talk about these works because sometimes artwork like that can be really exclusive uh and that there are things here that none of us could have ever experienced because we weren't living in Mm. you know berlin in 2005 yeah. when this thing was happening and obviously we're never going to be able to experience those but having the artists show them, show them big and talk you through their development of what this artwork was and how people experienced it and actually filming in the setting. Like some of these were great. Like when she talks about building a shed Mm. out of the materials that were just being lost in the digital revolution, like loads of stocks of camera film and rather than just get rid of it, cut the film out of Vagabond or whatever and turn that into an amazing shack and uh, <laughs> that people can go and walk inside this shack and see film cells. And she just refers to this as another facet of cinema. Yeah. And I, that's so cool. That, like, that is as much cinema as the projected screen is. Yeah. And that, for me, is something that's always so thrilling and exciting about her work when you track it through all of her careers, that she's so happy to embrace new stuff and it's always in search of new ways of approaching cinema. And it always frustrates me when people, uh, like maybe a, like a Tarantino or someone like that, will name their company with something that is inspired by the French New Wave. And Agnes Varda was really there at the start and was beginning the whole thing. 
And she's totally not this cine bro person. She's so happy to be embracing new digital technologies. And there's great sections of this where she's like, I love digital cameras. They're so small and I can take them everywhere. <laughs> and that that point, she entered a whole new phase of filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, it's brilliant. She's a curious filmmaker. I had, um, I was very lucky to write a piece for Empire where I spoke to her, some of her key collaborators. And a word that kept coming up time and time again was how curious she is as a filmmaker, that it just starts with an idea. And all she cares about is capturing that idea and seeing where that idea goes. She couldn't care less about as you say, kind of making sure you have the right equipment. Like if she could point and shoot a phone at something, that's what mm. she would do. And that's really what, what carries her and what will carry her legacy, I think, is that real level of curiosity and kindness as well. She was very kind. Yeah, and as you said, Sam, there's maybe no one else that could pull this off. No, exactly. She's one of a kind. Yeah, David yeah. O'Russell would not be able to do that. Oh, I'd love to see that though. <laughs> By Russell by David. (laughs) And he's just going insane on stage and getting really angry and like, who wants to fight? What's the title? Keep it? Keep it. (laughs) Keep that. (laughs) All right. uh, So that's Varda by Agnes, which is going to be in cinemas and on home cinema as well. So people can check that out. Uh, Definitely one for fans of Faces Places, which I think is on Netflix now as well. So do seek that one out if you didn't get the chance to catch up with it. Um, But really, this is a, a unique beast mm. uh so yeah. do, do check this one out uh it's really interesting uh but we must move on because there's there's a film out this week that is perhaps even bigger than Varda by Agnes many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, as much as I'm embarrassed to say that. Uh, <laughs> yes, and so we must move from one royalty to another. Uh, Sam, you have seen The Lion King. I have Wait, seen The Lion King. 2019. Correct. Uh, as have you, That's Kelly. what it says in the yeah. title card. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is this film about, in case people have forgotten? <laughs> uh, well, this is The Lion King. Uh, so this is perhaps the most beloved of the sort of 90s Disney renaissance films. I think that's fair to say. This is the one that people are the most passionate about. Yeah. And I th- No, I, I, th- I think overall, I think Big this Pinocchio is the one. Stand over here. I think Disney is a very personal genre and yeah. I think you should respect people's decisions to stray outside the Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Robin Hood, um, Robin Hood yes! <laughs> but of like the 90s ones. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm a ni- 90s kid, therefore Robin Hood. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that film follows Simba, who is the son of the king of uh, the pride, Mufasa. And uh, it's very loosely based on Hamlet, as we all know. 
And this film is a photorealistic updating of that original hand-drawn animated film. Yes, it's not live action. It's not live action because uh, nothing ha- that happens in this film is real, <laughs> apart from maybe the floor. <laughs> I don't even know. And um, yeah, this has a real crazy cast. It has Danny, uh, Donald Glover. It has Beyonce. Uh, James Earl Jones is back. Chiwetel Ejiofor. Alfred Woodard, uh, Eric Beyonce. Andre, Beyonce. Oh, th- who's the Brit? Seth Rogen. Seth John Rogen, Oliver. John Oliver. John yeah. <laughs> and Eric Andre. And Eric Andre, yeah. Uh, Wildcast. And, uh, well, I think I should hand it for Kelly now, who I think is the biggest Lion King stan in the room. Yeah, yeah I love The Lion King, the original. It's my favourite. Your favourite um, film? My favourite Disney, I think. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, it's Container to Disney. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I... You know what? This film was fine. <laughs> it was. It, we we went to a multimedia screening of it, and there were loads of kids about, and they were having the best time, having their face painted and singing along to the songs, and they were just really cute, and they enjoyed it, and you know that's what it's for. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm happy with that. I don't mind it. Yeah. Um, what were the feelings ahead of this? Because I I actually really liked John. Fa- so it's John Favreau who directed yeah. this. Who did the Iron Man's and Chef and the Chef Show and anything Chef and I love Chef. Chef is um, great. And chef sucks. Hey, you watched the Chef Show? No. Oh, you should. It's really good. Um, <laughs> How weird is it that John Favreau is now Disney's like go-to director? Yeah. When he used to be the no. guy from Swingers, and then he was Monica's boyfriend in Friends for a bit, <laughs> yeah. and now he's like directed five major budget Disney films. Well, and including all the Iron Man films that he's starred in. Yeah. He is like yeah. a box office bank. Yeah, yeah. it's he weird. He really is. I'm still not over Guy Ritchie's Aladdin, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, this film, like, I was intrigued about because I, I did like his Jungle Book a lot. I was yeah. not expecting to and I had a really good time and I thought it looked stunning. Um, but, like, this is, this is a whole different thing, isn't it? Yeah, mm. this is, I think... Everyone had a similar expectation for this film that people were perhaps the most pessimistic about this one of all the Disney on sort of the Disney remake movement. I think because there is no real updating of the story here. There's not much change. It is literally just the 94 film, but it looks real. And I think people were very cynical about that and very sceptical. And, you know, as I say, I think what, what based on what I've seen online and things like that is that Lion King has the most passionate fan base of any of the kind of big Disney animated films of the past 30 years or so. So this is kind of very sacred ground for a lot of people. And, you know, I think personally I had a good time with this. Uh, the 94 Lion King is a good film and therefore this film. is a good film because it is the same film. But I think as soon as you see that uh, sunset rising over the the horizon and you hear that opening track and you see the lion cub and Rafiki holds him up. You do kind of forget about your cynicism for a while. And I did kind of get into it. And that opening is incredible in both versions. And I think it does the major Lion King moments really well. It does the opening really well. It does. I just can't wait to be King really well. The death of Mufasa is done really well. Yeah, it, it hits Spoiler. all the major. Mufasa <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. dies. What? <laughs> it hits all the major points. Right, it's still it's still rousing. You know, the music still swells yeah. up in you, and like you then it's, it's kind of like a, oh, I remember it comes back to you, and you have the same feelings. Um, so it does 
and the major arc is obviously the same and you go through the same sort of emotions. Although I didn't cry when Mufasa died this time around, which is saying quite a lot, I think. Speaking of updating the songs, is there anything comparable to the quality of Josh Groban's contribution to Beauty and the Beast? (laughs) Nothing ever has been or ever will be. (laughs) What is it called? Evermore. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, that was when we worked at the cinema and Beauty and the Beast was playing, credits would roll, go in, clean the screen. I hadn't seen the film, but boy, did I love Josh Groban's track on the credits. <laughs> no, I think, oh, yeah. I think the original songs in this kind of fall flat for me. It doesn't, they, they don't really stand out. Um, I think Beyonce has a little bit in the middle when they... They're shitting spirit. Yeah. A new song. Yeah. Um, so that, mm, that was a bit, um, yeah, that kind of fell flat for me. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious to ask, like, um, so obviously the, there are huge differences here. The plot is very much the same. Yes. But, like, what specifically is gained from this yep. new technology and what do we lose from it? Right. So, I think what's gained is uh, is the story is kind of... They have to change the story to fit what it looks like. So, for example, what I think they did really well was the updated version of I Just Can't Wait to Be King. They, like, set it in the... Obviously, because they can't do... Elephants on top of giraffes, <laughs> like just be dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that <laughs> just watching a massacre. <laughs> um, so I think that they they adapted the story well for that for those elements. Um, but I, I there there is something that is lost with the, with the photorealism, in the sense that like oh they look really cute and they they're done really well, but you it's kind of. I don't know. As I said, I didn't really cry when Mufasa died, and I think that's because it was too real Mm. in a weird way. I think maybe the difference is Jungle Brook, the original, is slightly less expressionistic than The Lion King is. And maybe that's very expressive. Like they've got big eyes that emote a lot. Like Scar's face in the animation original is crazy. It's going all over the place. Here it's just a lion's face. Yeah, that was the biggest disappointment for me, I think. Okay. I mean, um, I actually got the VHS of Timon and Pumbaa around the world. Don't know if anyone remembers that. (laughs) uh, Before I saw The Lion King. Oh, wow. So so I loved Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah. Before I loved anything else. How are they? They are the best part so of this good. film. Oh, that's they're good. so good. Yeah, they're done really well. They're, yeah. they're the most. They Seth feel Rogen like Seth Rogen and most... Billy Eichner. Yes, yeah. Billy on the streets. Billy yes. on the streets. Yeah. yeah, so good. It feels like the most updated. Yeah. part of the film. Like it, the most I don't know how part. it felt like they had the most like, new dialogue and yeah, I really enjoyed every moment there on screen. Actually, a lot more than some of the other parts. Yeah, I th- th- yeah, definitely. They're, I think this film does look incredible, and I know it is kind of damning with faint praise when you say that about films sometimes. But you do every now and then I did look at it. And think, there's a moment where it's a close up of uh, Rafiki, who is the uh, the baboon. It's a close up of his face, and like a firefly flies past him. I did I did stop to think, oh, that does look really good actually. Like that looks like a real baboon's face with like this the way they had the light fly past it. It does look pretty spectacular. Okay, and in the the all time Disney live action remakes, where does this rank? Uh, I don't. Well, Aladdin was such a surprise that I actually enjoyed it, so I don't know how I compare this to Aladdin. I don't know if this is as good as the Jungle Book. No, I, do I like think the Jungle, Jungle Book, Book works better in this in this sense, but because there are major things in this film that that for, that that don't work. For example, Scar's sort of uh, version in this film for me. It lacks a lot of the original tone of Scar. 
um, in his campiness, in his cleverness, in his... He was really funny as well in the original film, in in his own way. You know, his the way he plays off the hyenas and and Zazu, that's lost very okay. much so in this in this remake. Unfortunately, because it, 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 what a, I mean, Jeremy Irons is so great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, but judging from what you said, Sam, it's definitely one to try and see as big as possible. I think so. Like, I th- if that the big yeah. bit oh, yeah, of yeah, it yeah. is those visuals. Yeah, I think for it. for pure spectacle, I think that's why you should see this film. Yeah, and uh, if you have kids, take kids because. They'll really enjoy it. I love it. Yeah. yeah, definitely one for fans of that particular John Favreau John yeah, book. Absolutely. More so than maybe the original Lion King. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Um, all right, so that's what's on at the cinema this week. We've got a few things uh, up on demand as well. Uh, Sam, what's happening on Curzon Home Cinema? Uh, you can catch up on Only You, which we talked about last week, and we spoke to Hay Whitliffe, the writer director, and Josh O'Connor and Lia Costa. Uh, you can watch that on Cousin Home Cinema, along with Fighting with My Family, Stephen Merchant's wrestling film. With really like that film, and wish yeah. more people watched it. Yeah. Uh, we've also got Diamantino. Beth, <laughs> we look to you. What a film. What a, what a, goodness me, what, goodness me, what a film. <laughs> to be seen, to be believed, but just a little, a little tidbit. Um, giant Pekingese puppies on a football pitch surrounded by like pink marshmallow glittery clouds. Yes. As uh, our titular character does his business on the football pitch. And also wrapped into a kind of Portuguese nationalist political government conspiracy theory with genetic experiments and clones of a Cristiano Ronaldo type player. Yes. Also, I think the best take on Brexit I've seen on screen yet. <laughs> yeah. Like, Ian Nietzsche wishes he made this film, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just a natural pairing to the Jungle Book. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, we've also got the Agnes Varda collection mm-hmm. released last yeah. year. That's all available on the uh, Home Cinema website. And if you do want to, you can buy the Blu-ray or DVD box set of that. And if you search online for the uh, Gleaning Truths box set, I believe it was, uh, there you'll be able to find Beth's essay as well. So do check that out. I'll put a link in the description as well if you do want to read it. Uh, and that's really about it for this week. If you've got any thoughts on The Lion King or Varda by Agnes, you can tweet us at Curzon Cinemas. Uh, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on those films. And you can all find us there as well. I'm there at Jake H. Cunningham. Uh, Kelly, you're on Twitter as... KS underscore Powell. Sammy? Uh, uh, at underscore one. Every week you still don't know. <laughs> I don't use Twitter that much, so I don't know what I'm called. <laughs> uh, Beth, you're there as well. Yes, Beth K. Webb. Lovely. All right, if it's your first time listening to the show, please subscribe. You can do that on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. And when you're there, if you could leave us a review or a comment, that would be absolutely wonderful as well. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.